Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Audit Podcast. Today, we have Taylor Fox from Helenot Agra Enterprises. He's the internal audit manager there. And Taylor reached out and said, basically, hey, I've got this message. I want to get it out there. And so whenever those types of folks reach out, we'd love to have them on because if there's one thing that I've found to be the common denominator amongst, you know, the top tier kind of internal auditors in terms of effectiveness is they care and they're passionate about internal audit or the area that we're going to discuss today relative uh, to the conversation with Taylor, the area within internal audit that he's passionate about. You don't, you don't reach out to someone to come onto a podcast with a very specific topic unless you care about it. All right, so what is that uh, topic that Taylor was so passionate about? It is recruiting and retention for modern times. It's been a huge topic, probably the number one topic among CAEs uh, so far this year. And so we talk about what's working for Taylor in recruiting and retention, how to work with HR on these various uh, initiatives. When recruiting from colleges, we talk about the messaging and what that sounds like to college grads to help change the perception of internal audit to those candidates. Coming straight out of college, if somebody said, hey, you wanna go on internal audit? They have the same or similar perception as uh, most other folks and they go audit. Yeah, I would think so. Um, and so we talk about that a bit. And then we kind of close with just what's up with Gen Z? That's the opening question. Um, and I think Taylor answers it brilliantly. And so whether you are uh, an offended Gen Z person or uh, on the other side of the coin, I think it's important to listen to Taylor's perspective on that. Here we go. All right. Well, I know, uh, Taylor, in talking to you off camera, just kind of the nature of the organization you're in relative to the auditors that work with you, there's a lot of travel. And so because of that, there uh, can be, as they move on from postgraduate life and into uh, having a family and, and needing to be around them more, uh, tend to look for uh, positions where there's not as much uh, travel required. And because of that, uh, you have a, you've been exposed to a lot of hiring and retention scenarios, probably more so than the common auditor. So with that said, uh, what's working for you in terms of recruiting and retention? Because it's probably the hottest topic amongst audit leaders right now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like you said, my team traveled uh, about 10 to 15 days a month. Um, so for us, when it comes to recruiting, first you have to be willing to travel and love to travel. And I think for us personally, that's a huge benefit for coming on board here if that's something that you like to do. Um, but outside of that, you know, you look at, so our audit grew the lifespan of an auditor because the travel at some point get too much, they're tired of it, or what usually happens is another department comes in and scoops them up, right? So we're continuously hiring straight out of college, and it's so much different now than it. So like when I graduated college, 
And that was kind of the tail end of the financial crisis for 2008. I mean, there wasn't a lot of that left, but still hard to, I mean, forget getting a job. Getting an interview was extremely difficult. Um, so you were always going in and trying to sell yourself. Well, now the table flip, right? So now there are a plethora of jobs out there. So we conduct an interview. You as a company, you're selling yourself to the interviewee because they could probably choose five or six different jobs. Um, so for us, the main selling point is our culture here at the company that I work at. Um, and you talk about culture and that's such a vague term, but the culture that we set off, we're a very large company. Um, and we have a large corporate office, but it's a small company feel. Um, but that, that's something that a lot of graduates, their values are different. So what they're valuing right now is, you know, you look at the, we'll say 28, 22 to 30, mental health is a huge aspect of what they're looking for. And you hear it time and time again, which is good for them, right? So they're drinking less, they're eating healthier, they're working out more, and they're prioritizing their personal life along with their work life. So how does that flow into the workplace? The first thing is flexibility. And you hear about flexibility a lot when it comes to the work from home, hybrid schedule. Um, with it true, there is that dynamic there and it's always going to be there post-COVID. But what I consider flexibility are the small things that people really value. You want to show up at 8, let's do lunch and leave at 4, good for you. You want to show up at 9, we're if you want to leave at 5, I don't I have an audit, get, I have an audit program and a schedule and a to-do list to do each year. And as long as that's being done, I don't care how you do it, Amen. right? So as long as you're getting your work done, you know, you're free to do whatever else you need to do. Um, you need to take your kids to school in the morning, great. You need to work from home because your kids are sick, okay. You know, your dog needs to go to the vet, fine. Work from home that day. Um, I had a staff auditor walk into my office a couple of weeks ago. She's very new. And she said, hey, I have a dentist appointment tomorrow. Can I take PTO and go to it? And then I can't tell you what the look of my face was, but it was like, no, just go to the point. I'm back. Yeah. You know? And so that's the kind of atmosphere and the encouragement that I think they need and they want because they're setting boundaries. The kids three up school are setting boundaries. This is what life is how life. I'm going to split my time between the two. I'm not going to work my life away. And so that's the first thing. And then the next thing for recruiting is that I tell Brandon in an interview, I'm not going to mark I'm just not. I'm not going to be looking over your shoulder whatever what you're doing every bed of the day. Um, and I think that very important to them coming out of school as well because even as even as a 34 year old i still look at people coming straight out of college kids and i think we all do yeah, in nice. a sense because you know you're just, you're still immature coming into the work world have no idea what you're doing but in reality they're adults they just spent four years getting a very hard degree on their own without anybody looking over their shoulder they're capable of doing it and so i like to treat them as adults because they're the and um, I'm still going to go through the process and do what I need to do. I'm going to go through their work papers. I'm going to review their report. I'm going to adjust things that I want to adjust to make sure that everything's reflected the way it should be. But to get to that point, they know what they need to do. We do have a training program six months, and they are micromanaged through that process, but you have to. That's important. But once you're out of that, you do you. I think it's huge. I would say probably the biggest 
things I've had to work on personally is I love things a particular way. I love, you know, it's like my way is right and I know yes. it. And I know how to get from point A to point B in the most efficient way, um, in a correct way. But if somebody starts at point A and they may take a detour or they may do things, you know, at their own, I don't want to say pay, like they're working slow, but they may do a different way of getting to the end result. It used to drive me crazy. Yeah, I'm like, well, why don't you just do this my way because it's easier, but I've kind of backed off. Then, okay, you do it your way. As long as the end result is the same as what I would get if I did it, don't care. Yeah. And I think they, I think they respect that and appreciate that. Um, and it values them in a certain way of being a professional. Um, and then, you know, learning how to do things more efficiently, that's something that takes time. The more you look up stuff, the more you learn, okay, this is how. I'll, this is how I want to do it. This is what's easiest for me. Um, and so I don't try to get in the way of that process. But yeah, that's efficiency takes time, uh, is what I heard. And that's a really good way to put it, especially when you're working with new folks and it's just like, come on, get it done. But I think you need that experience um, to be able to become more efficient. So that's, I think, for those that maybe struggle with that themselves as managers of of folks it's like okay this should you know it shouldn't take you three hours it should take like 30 minutes you I, know like well they haven't figured it out yet and uh so anyway i think efficiency uh which is to save time to say the efficiency takes time is uh, a really a really good quote i think we already have our quote for the show and so uh we're, we're we're good with that i don't think we need to review the show to find our quote the other thing that i took away from that was like if there is an overarching message this is what i tried to communicate too is i don't care when you do it I don't care how you do it. Um, I don't care where you do it from. This is the due date, basically. Uh, you know how we work together. You know, if you if we need to have stand-ups every day, that's great. If you want to do an hour, you know, whatever. Whatever your communication protocol is, that's fine. I can adapt to that. But, like, you just have to get it done and communicate that. And then would that be for folks that, I don't know, we're going to talk a little bit more uh, Gen Z specific, but would that be if you're, like, hey, if you're struggling with, an employee would that be like your overall message yeah i mean that's that's kind of a hard one to touch on because every employee that you have is different now i could have one that just takes off running and handles things very well and then i can have another employee that's kind of struggling kind of their handheld a little bit which there's nothing wrong with that we just learn a different speed maybe learn a different way and so it's important as a manager or any kind of leader within your department audit non-audit whatever to recognize that, say, okay, what do they need to succeed? Because if you're sitting back and be like, well, they're just not able to do it, and they need to figure it out, that's not adding value, and it's not going to add value to organization or your support. So it's really important to say, okay, I think they have a different way of learning things. Let's have a sit down and say, okay, what do you need for me to help you get this? Right? And usually for us, like I can tell them the place really not they have it. And there are all the times that we've hired people and they just don't, they just can't do it. Yeah. And, you know, shame on, shame on us for that hire, right? So you think that they can do it. They end up, they just can't, which that goes back to your degree. You know, you hire finance, accounting degrees. If you're talking to, if you have the cognitive capacity to get that degree, you have the capacity to do this job. That's the case 99% of the time. Yeah. But I would say for the people that do struggle, they just need some extra help. They just need an extra way of viewing, you know, how do I test these controls? How do I get these work papers in order um, to 
be able to display the deficiencies that I'm buying, whether it's analytically, whether it's towards the way you're writing things. Um, that's the heart. Now, I think that's one that I struggle with the most. Just identify, okay, what do you, it's kind of like a coach. Some, some coaches know their players, they need to be yelled at. They need that. And others, they can't yell at. Yeah. They don't want it. It's the same thing in the look. I mean, we're not yelling, but you know what I mean? It's okay. like they, some like to have that oversight and from their manager. And then some just want to run free and do their own thing. So yeah. try to, I think it's really good. All right, so you mentioned the the. All right, so you mentioned the person uh, that asked for PTO to go to the dentist, which maybe takes what like an hour to something like that. Uh, and I appreciate that you, you know the look on your face of like, are you kidding me? No, you don't have to do that. Just go. Um, I knew someone that because the company policy said you have to request that off, that he would go. Nope, you have to do it. And so I mean, they literally similar scenario. Someone had to go to the doctor. They had an appointment. The doctor's office was in walking distance. So it's not even like I got to drive an hour or something like that. And they had to put in their whatever, two, three hours of PTO and that came off theirs. Um, and so where I'm getting with all this is, and I know it's kind of a fine line in, in even discussing it, but is this something where like in those scenarios, is it like, all right, let's just apply our judgment here. Like how do you, do you work with HR on these kinds of um issues i'll call them um it's really a judgment call for me you know if all my employees which makes a lot we talk about hourly employee that's a full separate deal for a salary employee i know that that employee is getting those one two extra hours in elsewhere at some point you know whether it's in the office when they're traveling they're looking till 10 11 o'clock at night every night those are that's it that's just how the audit conducted. That's what it takes to get them done. And we actually love that. Everyone's the same. Everybody hates sitting in their hotel room doing nothing. So we'll go down the lobby. We'll look away. And so if you look at it from an annual basis, they're probably looking, their hours look as far exceeds of two hours to this thing with it. So we're not really worried about it. It really goes back to, are you still going to get your work done? Yes. Great. Okay. That's all I care about. But, I mean, but what it, what value is it for me to have her come back and look two extra hours that day to make up for it, but not gain any productivity? Yeah. There's there's no value in it for me. There's no value in it for her. And for her to have that flexibility mentally gives her the assurance that okay, I've looked back to I'm being I'm treated like an adult. I can go do what I need to do to be tr- do my work, and they look better that. The nearest no, they're not working out the bike. Yeah. You know, it, you hear it all the time. People leave bad Andrew's not bad company. Yeah. And if, if you're sitting there, if someone's nitpicking five minutes that you leave to the office, they're just going to start looking for another job. Yeah. Because who wants to do that? And that might have been the case, you know, 20 years ago, people might have put up with that, but this generation, they're going to say, look, I'm going to do my own thing, what I need to do for myself and put myself first. And if you don't like that, I'll just go buy another company will when I will. And that was a answer that I expected and probably the listeners were expecting too, especially considering uh, kind of how we opened the show. So I guess my overall point in asking that was like, if you're that person that would have gone, yep, you absolutely have to do that. Two hours PTO or whatever it is, maybe rethink about your uh, stance on that is, is the overall uh, objective of that question. So I appreciate the answer, Tyler. 
All right. Well, how about when you are recruiting folks? Because recruiting is hard, and especially I feel like for internal audit, if you're getting folks out of out of um, college, how are you selling basically internal audit? Because I know someone asked me, what do you do? And I'm an audit analytics consultant. And they go, all right, well, I'm not inviting you to my party ever because that sounds awful. Um, so how, how are you doing that? How are you communicating that? Yeah, no one outside of audit wants to hang out with people who have the term audit <laughs> as their title. Exactly. It scares them to death and then you think, that's kind of boring. Um, it, it's a really unique deal, internal audit. Um, it's hard to recruit for anyway for audit, specifically internal audit, because there's so many that there's so many characteristics that you have to have to be successful in this job. I would say from the recruiting side, what attracts employees to come in and work in internal audit is the fact that they get a full picture of an organization. If you're working internally, you get to touch so many different facets of the business, and you get so much experience within that, that it's invaluable. So that's one side of it. Um, the second thing is, too, a lot of the candidates coming out of college want to do something and something valuable and something that's going to be worth their time. So when you think of internal law, the history of internal law specifically, it used to be an assurance function primarily. That was it. We're we're going to test control. We're going to report on the effectiveness to the board and audit committee. And that's our job. And that's how we add value. But then it's kind of evolved over the years now to at the advisory side and the consulting side to this is how we're going to maximize our value to the organization. We're not just going to offer this. We're also going to advise well. So that's what we sell is out. It's not your... You're not going in and find in testing control and, and identifying deficiencies and saying this is wrong right here. Book. You're going in and you're finding deficiencies. You're advising how to fix them um, and helping them get to where they need to be. That's how you maximize that. And for where we were specifically, our company culture is incredible. And that flows into the control environment. And internal audit is embedded in that environment as well. As here, we're here to help. We're not here to just come after you and buy a look toward everything you're doing wrong. We want to make your location better or your cost center better than it was before we came. And so that appeals to candidates like, okay, I'm doing something that's worthwhile. I think for me specifically, the most defeating idea I can think of of all the audits I've ever done, all the action plans I've received, and then afterwards I'm just doing nothing. Yeah. You know, just a whipping action plan because then for me it's like what am i doing you know what's the point of all and so for them they want to know that they're doing something um so that's a huge selling point uh when they get to when they're actually doing field work basically and like we can get down in the details and we're testing you know three five attributes whatever and it's kind of like all right yeah they signed off on this thing yeah they signed off on this one too yeah they dated it um you get in the details and you almost lose sight of the overall objective. Is that something that you like really hammer into them so that they understand like what's going on and why testing that specific thing is, you know, we're doing this very specific thing because it ties to this overall objective of the audit. The reason that's the overall objective because it ties to this, you know, strategic initiative of the organization. Is that a way that, you know, that they, they, you're able to, I guess, retain folks as well also? 
That's an, that's a great question. Um, and we talk about that a lot within our department. When you come on at first, you're so overwhelmed. Our, I mean, there are so many things you have to work and you're so focused on checking the box. Did yeah. I test this control? Did I get my work paper support this way? Did I analyze this data? You're so focused on the day-to-day task that it takes a while for you for the click to be like, wow, I'm testing this control because it affects this finance that's reported to the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. when they, when that clicks in their head of why we're doing what we're doing from a holistic viewpoint, I mean, it's just an incredible you know, realization for them because what we do is incredibly important. Yeah. And so you go from these, I don't say mundane tasks, but you're doing, you're just testing these controls, but it affects iFood and, and all the reporting regulations that we have at the corporate level. And you don't think about that that all of your when you first come on board. You're like, these, these are the requirements that I have to do in my day-to-day job and oh wow, it affects all these other things. Well, that's a cool realization. So we're, we make sure that we are very transparent why we're doing to answer your question. You know, yeah. that may not, they're not going to understand it two weeks on the job, but maybe five, six months then, and it'll start, they'll start to understand how the control that we're testing flows different areas of the you mentioned transparency. Is that, uh, would you say that's key in retaining also retaining talent is to be yep. transparent with them? And how, how do you do that? I am the most transparent person you look. And I have found that my employees love that. If I'm not happy with the way that they're doing something, and I'm not talking about like earlier when they're doing something that may be a little different, I'm talking about objectively wrong. I'll tell them immediately, hey, this is not right. This is how it should be done. Let me help show you how to get there perpetually. I have performance evaluation coming up next month. They're joking with me because they think that I'm not going to get them down by next month, but I am. <laughs> performance evaluation uh, is to review their future plan. What extra responsibilities do you want? Everything that they may need to do better has already been I perpetually do that throughout the year um, and also enjoy the transparency from them too I'm continuously asking even new what is it that we could be doing better if you give your new hire the chance to do something you will it, it's incredible what they're capable of doing I have some staff auditors that have developed apps and created efficiencies in our department and have given us suggestions within our audit program that made sense, but it just took an extra perspective. Mm-hmm. Someone fresh to say, hey, why are we doing it this way? And me going, you know, that's a good question. Let's look into that and change it if we need to. And so it's a two-based tree. I love the transparency from them just as much as they look for me, but you have to be open. You have to be open to having more conversations. And I ask all the time, what can I be doing? What is it that I do that you're not, you know, really a fan of? Or what is it that I do that you love so I can keep doing it? I love those conversations. And it makes some people feel uncomfortable first. Who wants to tell their boss that they're doing something? Yeah, so that rocks. Go ahead. You you have to be willing to be open to creating. And I think that there, 
I think we do have a precedent problem in the workplace because there are so many employees who spent so many years doing something a particular way that they think that that's the way it has to continue to be. And it, you know, you don't, you don't talk to your boss in a way that would fit is, you know, historically how things go, but why? How does that better you or the director or whatever? How does that better your employees if you're not willing to have this tough conversation? Okay. And then it kind of goes back to earlier. I'll say this real quick too. When I first started here, I worked late a lot. I worked weekend because I had a work ethic that I wanted to prove and try to get ahead, do all this stuff. And those people listening have done the same thing. But if I'm hiring employees and I'm telling them, hey, I had to do this, so you have to do it too. For what? You know, I don't expect them to do that, and they don't. We've, we've created efficiencies because they don't have to look like if they don't want to. But there are a lot of people that will say, well, I had to do it. So you have to do it. If it. But what good did that do for anybody? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, and we'll get to generational differences. I'm not an expert on that by any chance, but it feels like maybe older generations see that also like well i had to suffer so now you have to suffer too because that's what i did instead of hey look at all this cool stuff we could do instead and like let's make it easier for you i don't i don't really get that perspective but like when i first started here we had uh data traction procedure that we had to do for a schedule that goes to the r report very complicated process me and a few other people realized that we could automate the process and make it easier, do it quicker. The seniors at the time were so mad that we figured that out <laughs> because they so many years yeah. having to do it, you know, the convoluted way instead of doing that, they they made us go back and do it the old way. Yeah, that's a good thing. Yeah, you know, Listen, what good does that do us? Right. So we, we kind of talked on generational differences, and we're talking hiring and retaining, and especially if we're looking at like this next generation of uh, auditors that are coming in. So I'm just going to broadly throw it out there because um, I've had, it seems like for me, the folks that I've directly worked with and then also heard about when it comes to Gen Z is <clears throat> it's either been like one of the best people ever or you need some some coaching on what it means to be a professional. Um, I've also heard some, uh, I guess some, some horror stories, but I, I think that's just the nature of numbers in general. You know, there's always going to be the 20% that's kind of like, eh, we should probably drop you. But um, anyway, broadly, I'm just going to ask for those that are hiring directly out of school that are in, which are mostly going to be Gen Z folks. What's up with Gen Z? So Gen Z, uh, when they come into the workplace, they're value-driven um, and they have purpose. And that's it. So if they have a reason for doing things, they just want to keep adding value to uh, For us in our department, the way that we have been successful at that for a lot of years is that internal audit at my company is tasked with, for example, doing financial due diligence for acquisition. We are on site during the due diligence. We prepare schedules for the APA when we get back. We're communicating with attorneys, the whole deal. We're there for the closing. And for my director, who had, you know, half the list of the due diligence checklist, and then usually it was me to do the other half, why not throw in some of our staff to get familiar with that process? Mm -hmm. By that, they're getting experience 
25 years old that you're not going to be able to find at a lot of different companies. And you're adding value to them that way. You're broadening their capability. And so that adds value to them as an employee and adds value to your department because you're, you're testing what they're capable of and realizing what they're capable of and their strengths and their weaknesses, but you're preparing them for their next step too once they leave audit and do something. And so they appreciate that more than anything. They just want to be involved. Yeah. They want to participate in things that typically people their age would be able to do. Yeah. You know, a few other examples too, like interviews, something as simple as interviews for new hires, bring them in. I let them do it. I'll sit in the interview, but I'll let them conduct it. You're conducting an interview at 25 years old. Something as small as that adds a lot of value to them over the lifetime. And yeah. I think that's really important. Um, and then there's you know, five, six other things that we throw them into as well for the same reason. Yeah, there was, um, I think I'd probably been in public accounting for a month and they're like, yeah, we're taking this, um, prospect to lunch. Like you come along also. And I was like, for what? Like, I barely know what I, I don't even know how to submit my expenses yet. I mean, they got kicked back like three times at that point. So I was like, what, for what, why do you, I'd like, I didn't understand it at all. Well, they said, well, you know, specifically in that scenario, they said, look, think about this in two ways when you're talking to them. Would you want to work with them, like work with them? And then would you want to get a beer with them? I.e., do you like them as a person? Do you think they'd be a good professional? But I was like so uh, almost flattered, you know, that they even asked me to go that I think that's a really good point, a good takeaway for those that um, maybe don't do that, maybe consider doing that. And the other thing and maybe it's just because we work in data and automation. Uh, a lot of times with the clients we work with, instead of uh, having to do some maybe tedious data validation work or something like that, it, I mean, they have to do that, but I'll go, hey, what's something you wanna work on? Like, what's something you wanna build that you think would be cool? The answer is always something about fraud most of the time, or they wanna automate something. And it's like, great, yeah. we'll, we'll make some time to do that just so there's like a higher level of job satisfaction um, you know, that you, and you can point to that and you go, yep, I built that and that's what I wanted to build. And it's cool. And I did that. Uh, so I think ownership of that is important also. So, yeah, I think that the, uh, critical keyword is job satisfaction. You have to be satisfied in your work. If you're coming on board and you're just fronting, doing the, you know, the busy work essentially, and you're not broadening what your capabilities could be in other areas, you're going to get bored and you're going to leave. I mean, yeah. it's the way it is. I had an interview. Uh, a few months ago, brought to my ears that, hey, you're at this interview, go then he just absolutely bought But you have to, everything you do for the first time is going to be hard and you're going to fail, but it's better to do it now than when you're 40. Yeah. Oh. I'll spare you the story because uh, the lack of time, but when I had to f conduct my first walkthrough as a staff in public accounting, I was super nervous the whole time. And I ended up asking, like to kick it off, I asked a question that the client had already answered while we were just kind of like, you know, shooting the breeze with each other. And he looked right at me and uh, he was like, I just answered that. And so <laughs> I had to look at my senior uh, and I was just, he could see it on my face. Like I would just cry for help. Like, please don't make me do this anymore. Please, like, please jump in. And I don't think I said a word for the rest of the meeting, but you know, after that it was like, yeah. all right, well, that's the worst thing that could have ever happened in that scenario. So everything else became a little easier. But anyway, I, I told you I was I wasn't gonna go to go into detail on that story and then I did the exact opposite. So Taylor, thanks for coming on the show. It's been great and wonderful. I think there's a lot of actionable items, which is what I always try to get out of the guests, like for the listeners, what can I actually take away from this episode? 
So I think you did a great job there. There's a lot of stuff there. But with that said, what do you want to leave the audience with? I would say, uh, you know, particularly if you're someone listening who has just been hired, your staff level, senior level, continue to challenge your leadership to provide you with opportunities to add value to yourself. See if there are extra projects and experiences that you could take on because you can't think of, okay, how am I going to be a better employee right now? You have to think long-term too. What's going to make me a valuable employee to this organization long-term? And so the more experience that you have and the more technical skill that you have, I mean, the world is essentially your buffet when it comes to picking your next job and what you want to look in. Um, it's important to broaden your capabilities to be able to do whatever you want. But that starts young, not later on, because you're going to have so much regret and you're like, wow, I wish I would have asked if I could be a part of this or if I could be a part of that. Now's the time to get in. And I think the Gen Z generation is really good at asking for that. Um, there's really not a problem there. It's just making sure that you're, you take the initiative as a manager or director and say, okay, they want to look this is the skill set that they want to be able to to perfect in a way. I need to help them get there. Um, it's important to acknowledge that and say, you know what, I am the person that they're responsible for making sure that they get exposed to as many different areas as possible. But if they ask, we'll just act on it. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.